my gosh, this is really awkward. Awkward? Pretty awkward. It's just all a little bit too awkward. Awkward. And also kind of proud of being awkward. Hashtag awkward. It was really awkward. It's awkward. I have awkward vibes in me. A little bit awkward. Very awkward and clumsy. You are so awkward to be around. Pale, awkward young men. So awkward. <laughs> that was very awkward. Which makes things slightly awkward. It's awkward. That's what makes it a little awkward. Very awkward and very unnatural. I'm like a pretty awkward dude. It's an awkward conversation. <laughs> that guy gets me every time, but it's very awkward and unnatural. I don't know why that guy makes me laugh every single time. I've seen that like 18 times now, and I still laugh every time. I'm like that. Uh, guys, it is so good to be here with you today, and not only to celebrate what God is doing in the life of our church as we lead the way with generosity, but to take time today to celebrate lives that have been changed by Jesus. So keep those kazoos, not right now, but later, because we're going to keep celebrating. Are you guys good with that? Let's, let's, let's keep celebrating. Um, the reality is, today we're continuing our series called Awkward Conversations, and we've talked about a couple awkward things already. We started by talking about sex, we've talked about hell. If that's something you need to, you know, find out more about, you didn't make the last couple of weeks, check it out on our website, rehash it, because these are important conversations that we have to have. And I think a lot of times we shy away from awkward conversations just because it's weird, right? We don't feel comfortable having these conversations. And yet, what I've found is that these awkward conversations are oftentimes the most crucial conversations that we can be having. And it's really important that we take the time to lean into these conversations and figure out what direction God wants us to take in our lives when it comes to these different areas of our lives. So today we're talking about this idea of our addictions. And nobody likes to talk about something that seems to have a stronghold on your life that you can't get victory of. It's not like we all go into, you know, rooms of people we don't go or don't know very well and just be like, hey, you know, I'm Tim. Let me tell you my deepest, darkest secrets and the worst things about me. Nobody likes to have those conversations. And I think a lot of times because we let our pride get in the way, that does hold us back from honestly experiencing breakthroughs that God wants us to experience in our lives. And so today, I just want us to lean into this concept this awkward conversation talking about our addictions because I want you to know that no matter what you're struggling with, no matter how deep and dark of a secret you may feel like you're carrying around, I want you to know that Jesus gives you hope, that he gives you the power to overcome. And I love the promise. I want to start with 1 Corinthians 10, 13 today. We're going to end there as well. But I love this promise that we see in scripture. Paul writes, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I mean, this promises us in scripture that we can stand up to any temptation that we face in life. There is hope. I can be victorious. I can be set free. And the way that I experience that victory, the way that I experience that freedom is by saying yes to Jesus. He gives us the power to overcome. And I want you to cling to that today. I want you to lean into what that means for you. Not for somebody else, but what that means for you. Because I want you to leave today, no matter who you are, no matter what you're struggling with, knowing that you can experience freedom in Jesus and you don't have to live the way you've been living any longer. I love that when Jesus started his ministry, um, that he, he did something very, very unique. In Luke chapter four, and this isn't on any of the slides, but I wanna share this, this moment in Jesus' life with you. Uh, Jesus is just beginning his ministry. 
Uh, he's been out in the wilderness for 40 days praying and fasting. The devil himself has tempted him, tried to take him off course and, and to keep him away from the mission that God sent him to planet earth for, which was to seek and to save us, to lay himself down on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins so we could experience life, forgiveness, and freedom. And after coming out of that experience, it says he walked into the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and he opened up the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah. And he reads this prophecy that Isaiah wrote about the Messiah that was promised to come and save us from our sins, to save the people of planet earth. And it says that Jesus opened the scroll and read this prophecy. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then it says Jesus rolls the scroll back up, puts it back, and he says to everybody there, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your presence. Like it's one of those, if they had microphones, it's a microphone drop moment, right? And the people didn't know how to respond because this was his hometown. They actually ran him out of the town. That's an interesting side note about how the ministry of Jesus began. And then all of a sudden, he begins just lighting things up, preaching about the kingdom of heaven, performing miracles, doing things that people have never seen before. And you realize he is the promised Messiah. He's come to bring us life. And I think that those words from the prophet Isaiah are so meaningful and so true. We've got to remember who Jesus is and why he came. I want to read this again. Think about the, the words of this prophecy. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. You can be set free. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Man, that's important. That's who Jesus is, and that's why he came to planet Earth, to set us free. And I want you to know today, I want you to be encouraged, because there is hope. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. You don't have to be held captive by your addictions any longer. Now, I think what the devil does is he tries to talk us into this reality where we think we are without hope, that we have to settle for the way things are, that I'm just an awful, terrible person and I can never change. And he gets in our heads by using the same tricks he's been using for the last 2,000, 3,000 years. And, and you see that identified in the book of James, James chapter 1 where he kind of identifies this temptation trail, the way that the devil works. Because remember, he's like a lion on the prowl. He's seeking out who he can devour. He's doing his best to destroy you. Jesus acknowledged this in John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses. I talk about it all the time because it's important. He said this, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he is trying to do. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have life to the fullest. I mean, it's two completely different worlds. While the devil's trying to destroy you, Jesus has come to set you free for you to experience life to the fullest. And so it's important to start by recognizing how the devil works. And in James chapter 1, we get a picture of what that looks like. He writes, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That is great news. That is fantastic. That's the goal. He says, and remember... When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires. This is our sinful nature, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, 
And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. There, there is a progression here that I think is really important for us to recognize and to identify. First of all, that's the fact that the devil plays on our own desires. That's every desire that I have where I know what Jesus is calling me to do. And I say, Jesus, no, I think I'm going to do things my way. I think I, I've got this figured out and I'm going to follow you know, my desires rather than your desires for my life. I'm going to do what I want to do, Jesus, instead of what you want me to do it. And I think this is a very real struggle that we all have to just acknowledge. This is a struggle. <clears throat> I think the Apostle Paul himself in the New Testament writes, hey, I, I hate because I have this inward battle going on inside me. I know the things that God wants me to do and these are the things that I long to be. I want to be who God has called me to be. But I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. I mean, he's explaining this, this inner battle, that the fight that we have with our sinful nature. And he's saying, man, I hate it. I feel like just a wretched, awful person. And yet God is gracious. God is faithful. He gives me victory to overcome. He sets me free. He says, praise be to Jesus for all that he has done. And you think about that struggle, because that struggle is real. I mean, we fight this battle that's inside us all the time, and the devil knows exactly the right thing that's going to trip us up. How does this trail that leads to death begin with our own desires that lead us away from what God wants us to be? And then what happens? It says the devil entices us. He deceives us. The actual word used in that scripture is the same word that they use for a fisherman's lure. Like when you're trying to catch a specific fish, you get a specific lure because you know that fish is attracted to that lure. So you put that on the hook, you throw it in the water, you wait for it, and then boom, you've got him. At least that's what I've been told. I just use hot dogs off the end of a dog. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's the same idea, Right? The devil knows exactly what's going to trip you up, and he puts that right in front of you, just like a lure trying to catch the fish of your choice, and then, boom, he hooks you. And that moment of disobedience is where it all falls apart, right? Where I choose, I actively choose, okay, God, I know what you want me to do, but I'm going to do what I want to do. It's that moment of disobedience. And I think that's the moment that's so destructive, because the lie that we are told by the devil is, hey... This is beautiful, it's shiny, it's exactly what you want. It's not going to hurt you, it's fine. You've seen other fish disappear, but those are dumb fish, not you. And then boom, you're hooked. And the thing about sin, the thing about our addictions, they always take us farther than we ever wanted to go. Nobody plans on, on hitting rock bottom. That's never anyone's plan. But that's how the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy and I'm thankful that Jesus came to planet Earth and said, no, I'm not cool with that. That's not how I'm content to leave things. I've come that you might have life and have life to the fullest. He came to give us power and victory over these temptations that we face. And so when you identify that temptation trail, I mean, it starts with our own desire. It continues on with deception. We buy the lie that it's not going to be that bad. I can control this. I'm okay. It moves to that point of disobedience. I make that conscious decision to turn away from God, and I'm going to do things my way. That is the path that ultimately leads to death. And I think we've just got to circle that. We've got to acknowledge that's how the devil works. And then we've got to celebrate the reality that that's not how it has to stay. That doesn't have to be my reality. Jesus gives me hope. Jesus came to set me free. Jesus came to bring me life. 
And here at Crossroads, that's what we're going for. We're trying to invite all kinds of people to a changed life. We want them to encounter Jesus and have that realization that I don't have to live this way anymore. I can be forgiven. I can be set free. There is nothing better than experiencing what Jesus can do in your life. Jesus changes lives. And one of my favorite ministries here at Crossroads is Celebrate Recovery. Right here at Crossroads, it happens at our Goshen campus on Tuesdays, and it happens in Mishawak on Thursdays. Let's give a round of applause for everybody who helps bring Celebrate Recovery to life and all the people's lives who that has changed. And I want you to just consider for a second that Celebrate Recovery might just be for you. I think there's a stigma in our minds that, well, Celebrate Recovery is for other people who have worse problems than me. And I want to encourage you to realize that I think oftentimes there's a stigma, like if you go to Celebrate Recovery, well, that person is addicted to drugs or alcohol. That's just for somebody else, not me. Did you know this, that across the United States and Celebrate Recovery programs in churches all around America, only about one in three people who attend Celebrate Recovery are there to help with their addictions to drugs and alcohol. Only one in three. Celebrate Recovery actually helps with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups that all of us struggle with at some level. Some examples are they help with depression, anxiety, with pornography addictions, gambling addictions, codependency issues, eating disorders, any kind of trauma that you're facing. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry that can help you overcome your hurts and habits and hang-ups. And it's all because it, it focuses on what Jesus can do in your life. And there's nothing better than celebrating a life that is changed by Jesus. I've invited a few amazing people to come up and share a quick testimony of how God has changed their life. Would you please give a huge welcome to these leaders from Celebrate Recovery who are going to come up and share what God has done in their lives? Because these are extraordinary people who God has done extraordinary things through. And I just want to help you get a picture of how God is changing lives and take a moment to celebrate what God is doing. So the first person I'd like to invite is Ryan. Would you give Ryan a warm welcome as he comes to share what God's doing in his life? Hi, my name is Ryan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, uh, recovering from drug and alcohol abuse. Um, my life before Jesus was just a pattern of bad decision after bad decision that had no eternal meaning um, and zero impact on God's kingdom. And after Jesus, I have so much joy. I've become a leader at CR over in Mishawaka, and I get to link arms with other broken men and fight for God's kingdom. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Hey, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that. This is the moment I should be hearing a bunch of kazoos. That's all I'm going to throw. That, yeah, now's the moment to use the kazoos. Now, let's give it up for Stephanie. She's going to share her changed life. This is fantastic. Hello, church. My name is Steph. I'm a, a faithful believer in Jesus. Before I met Jesus, I used to be a non-believer, a drug addict, a heavy drinker, full of ang anger, rage, hatred, and full of sin. Once I found Jesus, I am a reborn child of Christ. I was baptized on Easter Sunday, what better day? I am sober, I have love, trust, happiness. I am also a leader at CR, and I have the privilege of helping 17 women in my own step study class. I am here to show people how powerful our God is by the change in me since the day I said yes to Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> you guys are getting it. The kazoos are a thing. This is worth celebrating. Let's give it up for Josh. Let's hear his changed life story. This is fantastic. 
Hello, everybody. My name's Josh. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with depression, anxiety, PTSD, alcohol, you name it, I'm just a big mess. Uh, my life before Jesus was full of bad decisions and after bad decision, and alcohol was definitely involved. Uh, I don't remember half of it, but I know that this program and this church, and most importantly, God has just pulled me out of where I was. I'm now five years sober. Uh, and it's, it's because of God's grace in, in this program. So I encourage you to look into this program. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Right here, my man. <laughs> oh, it's a popper. That's what I'm talking about. Let's give it up for Brian. He has a changed life. This is good stuff right here. All right. Please, please, hold your applause. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Brian, a grateful believer in Jesus, uh, currently recovering from anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem. Hi, Brian. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, old habits die hard. So I've been in Celebrate Recovery for about three and a half years. Um, before Celebrate Recovery, um, I had a giant hurt that happened when I was younger uh, that kind of left a giant void in my heart. Um, and I, instead of looking to, to Christ for healing, I went ahead and just built a giant wall around that. So it affected all of my relationships. It yeah. made me very cynical and very skeptical um, towards Jesus and towards, uh, towards God and towards every single relationship that I ever had. Um, but like I said, about three and a half years ago, Jesus went ahead and scooped me up out of that darkness and then dropped me into Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Um, since then, it's been absolutely incredible. I got baptized, I got married, and uh, now I'm a leader at CR. That's so it's, right. it's amazing. <laughs> uh, let's give it up. A warm welcome for Des. She's going to give her testimony here too. This is good. My name's Desiree, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with drug addiction, PTSD, and anxiety. Um, before finding Jesus, I was homeless, lost friends and family. Since finding Jesus and Celebrate Recovery, I've become a leader for Celebrate Recovery at Faith Mission. I've mended broken relationships. I got baptized this year and get to serve at the church. That's what I'm talking about right here, Des. Let's give it up for Jan. Give her a warm welcome as she comes and shares her story. Hi, I'm Jan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And there was a time when I felt like I was abandoned and unwanted as a child. Hmm. And I had a, a, a spiritual awakening and found Jesus. And, and, um, and now I feel joy and peace and a purpose in my life. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Jan. <laughs> I uh, would love to give one more huge celebratory cheer for those people who just shared their story. That's fantastic. That is a celebration of a changed life. <laughs> and specifically here in the Goshen campus, if that beach ball makes it up on stage, that would actually be fantastic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, w I was just kind of kidding. I'm just throwing that out. I was just, just joking. I do. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> We're celebrating. We're celebrating changed lives. This is so good. These were a terrible. Now we're going to go around and collect all the kazoos, and uh, <laughs> we'll end it like that. Um, 
hey, I mean, can we just be real? There are so many people who are broken, uh, who are hurting, and they don't see a way out. They don't see a way forward. And we cannot lose sight of the fact that you guys, as a church, we have the answer that everyone is searching for. I mean, when we talk about an invitation to a changed life, inviting outsiders who are desperate for hope to a changed life, I mean, this is what we're talking about. That's the kind of transformation that happens when people encounter Jesus. And I'm telling you guys, the pump is primed, the future is bright, because if we can stay focused on these opportunities that we have to connect people with Jesus. Man, there is no telling what's going to happen right here in this church community, here in Goshen, down in St. Pete, over Mishawaka, as people encounter Jesus and embrace his power and his freedom for their life. Jesus changes lives. And at Celebrate Recovery, I, I love these principles that they walk through, I think almost on a weekly basis. Every week, uh, they'll go through these, these principles and, and realize these are important principles that we have to stay focused on. And these eight principles are based on the Beatitudes, which are found in the Sermon on the Mount. So you look at, uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7, that's, that's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the greatest sermon that's ever been told. It's Jesus sharing all these core principles, the highest ideals that he has of what the kingdom of heaven looks like, of how our lives can reflect who he is and who he's becoming us to be. And so when you take these principles from that kind of a moment, in the life of Jesus, you know they're good. And I mean, as a side note, when you are able to use these principles from the greatest sermon ever told in your own sermon, you know it can't be that bad of a sermon. So that's just another reason to celebrate. It's going to be a decent sermon because it comes from the greatest sermon ever told. And if that's not good enough, just know we got an extra hour. To, I have an extra hour to preach today. I think that I crunched the math and I think that that's right. No one, not a single person is celebrating that. I know. I get it. <laughs> one person. Thank you. <laughs> these principles are really, really important. And I just want to take a couple minutes and walk through these. And what I love about Celebrate Recovery is how interactive it is. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read the principle. And then after that, you're going to see on the screens the, the beatitude that goes with that. I would love for all of us to say, to read that beatitude together. So the first principle is this. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Let's read this together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it's really important to note that when Jesus is speaking to the poor in spirit, he's talking about that person who is desperate for the hope of Jesus and recognizes their need for God in their lives. I mean, that's where it all begins. Jesus, I need you. That's where the journey begins. That's such an important principle to start with. The second one is earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. The beatitude that goes with that, let's read that together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, it's, it's recognizing the fact that I can't do this on my own. I'm lost without Jesus Man, there's that desperation that comes from knowing that I need Jesus and, and just reaching for the power that he has to set me free. The third principle, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. The beatitude that goes with that, let's read that together. Blessed are the meek, 
for they will inherit the earth. That idea of meekness is very important. I think when we hear the word meek, it's, it's a difficult word to define. And I think the first reach that people have in trying to figure out what that means is it's associated with weakness. But meekness is not weakness, all right? Never forget, meekness is not weakness. Being meek, it means that you have power. You are strong. You have strength. But it is, it is restrained. It is disciplined. I mean, a great analogy is, is harnessing uh, the power of a wild horse, like a stallion, and recognizing that stallion has all kinds of power, but it lets you guide it around and, you know, ride it wherever you go or pull a wagon or whatever you do with a horse. I don't know. I'm a city guy. <laughs> but that's the idea of what it means to be meek. Not that you're weak. No, it, it's power that is submitted. And when I submit any power or sense of self that I have to Jesus, man, that's where a lot of good begins to happen. That's where he begins to change me. Meekness is not weakness. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. That's quite a promise. Surrendering my life to Jesus matters. The next principle, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Let's read this together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And that idea of pure heart of making sure that my relationship with Jesus is up to date, that there's no barrier between me and my relationship with God. Having someone in my life who encourages me, holds me accountable, being honest with myself, with God and with others, man, that's a powerful principle that helps you stay focused on Jesus and becoming the person he's called you to be. The principle of voluntarily submitting to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly asking him to remove my character defects. This is such a powerful beatitude. Let's read this together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's the desire of my heart, to be like Jesus. When that is what drives me, man, when I draw close to God, he draws close to me. He fills that desire in my life. He fills that void that only he can fill. When I hunger and thirst for righteousness, man, that hunger gets filled by Jesus. Evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Would you read these with me? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Such an important principle for us to put into practice in each of our lives. We are to forgive others in the same way that God has forgiven us. Boy, I'm always reminded in this moment talking about this topic that in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus prayed that teaches us how to pray, he actually says, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. Boy, there's a, there's a correlation there. If I realize God has forgiven me of so much, I have to be able and willing to pass that forgiveness on to others. That's not easy. But blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Who do you need to forgive? Who in your life do you need to ask forgiveness from? These are important principles that all of us can benefit from. 
Boy, the principle of reserving a time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. This just speaks to the importance of daily time alone with God. I want to encourage you, and when we talk about hurts, habits, and hang-ups, how about developing good habits? Starting off each day, spending time in God's word, spending time with him in prayer, that will change the entirety of your day, that will change the entire course of your life if you just make that a daily habit, spending time with God. Draw close to God, he draws close to you, whether that's the first thing you do every day, whether you carve out time at lunch to spend time with Jesus, whether it's the last thing before you go to bed, wherever that works best for your schedule, make sure you're spending time with God each and every day. Do that with your families. Those moments are critical. They are sacred when you spend time with God with your family. Make sure you're carving out time to do that individually and as families. Finally, it's this idea of yielding myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and my words. And let's read this final one together. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That means I'm going to do what's right, no matter what. No matter what people say, no matter what people think, I'm going to live my life focused on who Jesus is and who he's calling me to be. That's a powerful concept to overcome the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that we face in this life. It's even greater when you realize that Jesus himself is the one who came to set captives free, who came to bring life, who came to forgive and to heal that which is broken. I just want to encourage you today, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what that hurt or habit or hang-up looks like, like you, you can experience freedom. You can be set free. You have hope. And it all begins by saying yes to Jesus. I want to end with 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where we started today. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And I just want to encourage you today. I want to remind you that with God's help, we can celebrate recovery from our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. I just want to ask you this question as we come to a close today. What is it that you need to surrender to Jesus? What is it that you've been holding on to that's, that's killing you? I just want to encourage you today. Say yes to Jesus. Lay that at his feet and experience the life, the forgiveness, and the freedom that he longs for you to have. You don't have to live that way anymore. There is hope. And it begins by saying yes to Jesus. And as we close today, I just want to give everybody a chance to say yes to Jesus. I mean, we talk about inviting thousands of people to a changed life. This is going to become a pretty important moment here at Crossroads in the next weeks and months and years to come. Because I'm going to take that seriously. Every week, I want to give people a chance to say yes to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or whether it's that realization that, man, my, my relationship with Jesus begins by saying yes with him. That's how I experience forgiveness. That's how I become his child and join the family. But my relationship with God is me saying yes to Jesus every single day. Yes, Jesus, I surrender. Yes, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And maybe you're here today and you're realizing, I don't want to live this way anymore. 
I've been trying to do life on my own and you're realizing that very first step applies to you. I need Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to join us all. We're all going to pray this prayer today. And take this opportunity, take this chance right now to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Would you all read this prayer out loud with me? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the Savior of the world. That you gave your life to forgive my sins. And that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. I am saying yes to you. Come into my life. I will follow you. These are beautiful moments. These are sacred moments. As we come to a close, I would just ask that you bow your head and close your eyes with me and just draw close to Jesus. Is there something that he's asking you to lay down at his feet? A hurt? A habit? A hang-up? A thing that's been tripping you up? Draw close in this, in this moment to God. He will draw close to you. And as you're drawing close to him in this moment, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, would you be willing to raise your hand and just let me know that that happened so I could pray for you? And we take these moments so seriously. These are moments that change your life. And I just want to encourage you, if you said yes to Jesus today, we want to help you through this journey and, and help you take the first steps. We've got a gift for you. We want to give you a brand new Bible. We want to pray for you and help you out. So when this service is over, please walk out these side doors. We have people ready to pray for you and pray with you and help you take these first steps because your life is changed. If you said yes to Jesus, you are forgiven. You've been set free, and we want to celebrate that with you. So together as we close, would you stand with me? Let's stand in this moment and just surrender to Jesus and ask him to help us overcome and walk in his strength and in his life. Jesus, you're good. We just thank you for your very many blessings. Your, your love is extravagant. It is beyond what, it's beyond what we deserve. You give us hope. You give us the power to overcome. And we thank you, God, for the life that you bring us. And so, God, for all that you've done, we just give you thanks. For all that you're going to do, we give you praise. And we pray this in your holy and in your mighty name today, Jesus. And together we say, amen.